Section 10 of Robinson Crusoe in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe in Words of One Syllable by Mary Godolphin. Section 10 When I came back to the dear land of my birth, all was strange and new to me. I went to my old home at York, but none of my friends were there. Into my great grief I saw, on the stone at their grave, the sad tale of their death. As they had thought, of course, that I was dead, they had not left me their wealth and lands, so that I stood much in want of means, for it was but a small sum that I had brought with me from the isle. But in this time of need I had the luck to find my good friend who once took me up at sea. He was now grown too old for work, and had put his son in the ship in his place. He did not know me at first, but I was soon brought to his mind when I told him who I was. I found from him that the land which I had bought on my way to the isle was now worth much. As it was a long way off, I felt no wish to go and live there, so I made up my mind to sell it, and in the course of a few months I got for it a sum so large as to make me a rich man all at once. Weeks, months, and years went by. I had a farm, a wife, and two sons, and was by no means young. But still I could not get rid of a strong wish which dwelt in my thoughts by day and my dreams by night, and that was to set foot once more in my old isle. I had now no need to work for food or for means of life. All I had to do was to teach my boys to be wise and good, to live at my ease, and see my wealth grow day by day. Yet the wish to go back to my wild haunts clung round me like a cloud, and I could in no way drive it from me. So true is it that what is bred in the bone will not come out of the flesh. At length I lost my wife, which was a great blow to me, and my home was now so sad that I made up my mind to launch out once more on the broad sea and go with my man Friday to that lone isle where dwelt all my hopes. I took with me as large a store of tools, clothes, and such like goods as I had room for, and men of skill in all kinds of trades, to live in the isle. When we set sail, we had a fair wind for some time, but one night the mate, who was at the watch, told me he saw a flash of fire and heard a gun go off. At this we all ran on deck from whence we saw a great light, and as there was no land that way, we knew that it must be some ship on fire at sea, which could not be far off, for we heard the sound of the gun. The wind was still fair, so we made our way for the point where we saw the light, and in half an hour it was but too plain that a large ship was on fire in the midst of the broad sea. I gave the word to fire off five guns, and we then lay by to wait till break of day. 
But in the dead of the night the ship blew up in the air. The flames shot forth, and what there was left of the ship sank. We hung out lights, and our guns kept up a fire all night long to let the crew know that there was help at hand. At eight o'clock the next day we found, by the aid of the glass, that two of the ship's boats were out at sea, quite full of men. They had seen us, and had done their best to make us see them, and in half an hour we came up with them. It would be a hard task for me to set forth in words the scene which took place in my ship, when the poor French folk, for such they were, came on board. As to grief and fear, these are soon told. Sighs, tears, and groans make up the sum of them. But such a cause of joy as this was, in sooth, too much for them to bear, weak and all but dead as they were. Some would send up shouts of joy that rent the sky. Some would cry and wring their hands as if in the depths of grief. Some would dance, laugh, and sing. Not a few were dumb, sick, faint, and in a swoon or half-mad, and two or three were seen to give thanks to God. In this strange group there was a young French priest who did his best to soothe those round him, and I saw him go up to some of the crew, and say to them, Why do you scream, and tear your hair, and wring your hands, my men? Let your joy be free and full. Give it full range and scope, but leave off this trick of the hands, and lift them up in praise. Let your voice swell out, not in screams, but in hymns of thanks to God, who has brought you out of so great a strait, for this will add peace to your joy. The next day they were all in a right frame of mind, so I gave them what stores I could spare, and put them on board a ship that we met with on her way to France, all save five, who, with the priest, had a wish to join me. But we had not set sail long when we fell in with a ship that had been blown out to sea by a storm, and had lost her masts and worse than all, her crew had not had an ounce of meat or bread for ten days. I gave them all some food, which they ate like wolves in the snow, but I thought it best to check them, as I had fears that so much all at once would cause the death of some of them. There was a youth and a young girl in the ship, who the mate said he thought must be dead, but he had not had the heart to go near them, for the food was all gone. I found that they were faint for the want of it, and, as it were, in the jaws of death, but in a short time they both got well, and as they had no wish to go back to their ship, I took them with me. So now I had eight more on board my ship than I had when I first set out. In three months from the time when I left home, I came in sight of my isle and I brought the ship safe up by the side of the creek, which was near my old house. I went up to Friday to ask if he knew where he was. He took a look round him, and soon, with a clap of the hands, said, Oh, yes! Oh, there! Oh, yes! Oh, there! By and by he set up a dance with such wild glee that it was as much as I could do to keep him on deck. Well, what think you, Friday? 
said I, shall we find those whom we left still here? Shall we see poor old Jaff? He stood quite mute for a while, but when I spoke of old Jaff, whose son Friday was, the tears ran down his face, and the poor old soul was as sad as he could be. No, no, said he, no more, no, no more. As we caught sight of some men at the top of the hill, I gave word to fire three guns, to show that we were friends, and soon we saw smoke rise up from the side of the creek. I then went on shore in a boat with the priest and Friday, and hung out a white flag of peace. The first man I cast my eyes on at the creek was my old friend Carl, who, when I was last on the isle, had been brought here in bonds. I gave strict charge to the men in the boat not to go on shore, but Friday could not be kept back, for with his quick eye he had caught sight of old Jaff. It brought the tears to our eyes to see his joy when he met the old man. He gave him a kiss, took him up in his arms, let him down in the shade, then stood a short way off to look at him, as one would look at a work of art, then felt him with his hand, and all this time he was in full talk, and told him, one by one, all the strange tales of what he had seen since they had last met. As to my friend Carl, he came up to me, and with much warmth shook my hands, and then took me to my old house, which he now gave up to me. I could no more have found the place than if I had not been there at all. The rows of trees stood so thick and close that the house could not be got at, save by such blind ways as none but those who made them could find out. Why have you built all these forts? said I. Carl told me, that he felt sure I should say there was much need of them, when I heard how they had spent their time since they had come to the isle. He brought twelve men to the spot where I stood, and said, Sir, all these men owe their lives to you. Then, one by one, they came up to me, not as if they had been the mere crew of a ship, but like men of rank, who had come to kiss the hand of their king. The first thing was to hear all that had been done on the isle since I had left it. But I must first state that, when we were on the point to set sail from the isle, a feud sprang up on board our ship, which we could not put down, till we had laid two of the men in chains. The next day these two men stole each of them a gun and some small arms, and took the ship's boat and ran off with it to join the three bad men on shore. As soon as I found this out, I sent the long boat on shore, with twelve men and the mate, and off they went to seek the two who had left the ship. But their search was in vain, nor could they find one of the rest, for they had all fled to the woods when they saw the boat. We had now lost five of the crew, but the three first were so much worse than the last two, that in a few days they sent them out of doors and would have no more to do with them, nor would they for a long while give them food to eat. So the two poor men had to live as well as they could by hard work, 
and they set up their tents on the north shore of the isle, to be out of the way of the wild men, who were wont to land on the east side. Here they built them two huts, one to lodge in, and one to lay up their stores in, and the men from Spain gave them some corn for seed, as well as some peas, which I had left them. They soon learned to dig, and plant, and hedge in their land, in the mode which I had set for them, and, in short, to lead good lives, so that I shall now call them the two good men. But when the three bad men saw this, they were full of spite, and came one day to tease and vex them. They told them that the isle was their own, and no one else had a right to build on it if they did not pay rent. The two good men thought at first that they were in jest, and told them to come and sit down, and see what fine homes they had built, and say what rent they would ask. But one of the three said they should soon see that they were not in jest, and took a torch in his hand, and put it to the roof of the hut, and would have set it on fire, had not one of the two good men trod the fire out with his feet. The bad man was in such a rage at this, that he ran at him with a pole he had in his hand, and this brought on a fight, the end of which was that the three men had to stand off. But in a short time they came back, and trod down the corn, and shot the goats and young kids, which the poor men had got to bring up tame for their store. One day, when the two men were out, they came to their home, and said, Ha! there's the nest, but the birds are flown. They then set to work to pull down both the huts, and left not a stick, nor scarce a sign on the ground, to show where the tents had stood. They tore up, too, all the goods and stock that they could find, and when they had done this, they told it all to the men of Spain, and said, you, sirs, shall have the same sauce, if you do not mend your ways. They then fell to blows and hard words, but Carl had them bound in cords, and took their arms from them. The men of Spain then said they would do them no harm, and if they could live at peace, they would help them, and that they should live with them as they had done till that time but they could not give them back their arms for three or four months. One night Carl, whom I shall call the chief, as he took the lead of all the rest, felt a great weight on his mind, and could get no sleep, though he was quite well in health. He lay still for some time, but as he could not feel at ease, he got up and took a look out. But as it was too dark to see far, and he heard no noise, he went back to his bed. Still, it was all one, he could not sleep, and though he knew not why, his thoughts would give him no rest. He then woke up one of his friends, and told him how it had been with him. Say you so, said he, what if there should be some bad plot at work near us? They then set off to the top of the hill, where I was wont to go, and from thence they saw the light of a fire, quite a short way from them, and heard the sounds of men, not of one or two, but of a great crowd. 
we need not doubt that the chief and the man with him now ran back at once to tell all the rest what they had seen, and when they heard the news they could not be kept close where they were, but must all run out to see how things stood. End of section 10 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox, Spring 2007